0: All around the world, we talk about driving the change we need to see. From cutting-edge innovations to inventive business solutions and strategic collaborations, there are people in our society improving lives in our communities and beyond in their own ways. Hi, I'm Vivian Lim and I'm an advocate of ideas that can help make our world a better place. Join us as we meet these incredible guests and their ideas, applying the tools of the social sciences for the greater good. Welcome to the SUSS series of podcasts, changing the world one life at a time. In today's uncertain landscape, our generation of youths want to do more for our community. How can we inspire our youth and students to think more purposefully, change their attitudes, adopt new mindsets, initiate action when nothing is being done? Can this be enabled through education and curriculum? A successful collaboration between a plant based food startup and SUSS business students seemed to point the way forward. We sit down with Dr. Jimmy Wong, Senior Marketing Lecturer at the School of Business, SUSS, and Ellen Yip, founder of Green Butchery. Let's find out more about this collaboration and how it began from the unlikeliest of circumstances. So, thank you, Jimmy and Ellen. Earlier, Jimmy, you were mentioning this whole thing started out as a brown bag discussion. Can you share with us more how this collaboration between yourself and Alan sure, began? Sure,
1: sure. This happened last year. This was during the Skills Future Month. Uh, there were a lot of festivals going on. I was uh, invited to several brown bag sessions in which I give talk about how uh, certain programs can help PMETs actually upskill, uplift themselves to prepare for the future economy. So in one of these sessions, I talk about how SMEs can build a social media ecosystem. Now, I think one of the, among the audience is Alan, and he was only the one kind of like almost to the point of actually you know hogging the session
0: mm-hmm. in terms of
1: questions. And he actually reached out to me after that, expressing his interest to work together on social media projects. And that was how I got to know Alan.
0: So, Alan, why were you hogging the entire conversation? You know, what was something that Jimmy said that intrigued you so much uh, during that discussion?
2: I think what, what intrigued me with uh, Jimmy's talk was that he did not look at e-commerce as just silo social media platforms. He was introducing it more into what I call an interdependent play of different e-commerce platforms from Facebook to Instagram and how they work together as a mutually synergistic ecosystem. It was quite refreshing that someone looked at e-commerce as an interconnected ecosystem. So,
0: so I heard that this ecosystem consisted of, Jimmy, your students as well, and Ellen, your startup. So uh, can one of you just share with us more how a discussion transpired into this partnership and collaboration uh, that helped change the, um, the lives of the students right, and their future prospects?
1: In SUSS, I teach social media marketing and consumer behavior, including a marketing research, right? The students who attend my course will actually learn how to design a website for a company. At the same time, they also design a YouTube channel, a Facebook account, as well as an Instagram account. So as the students create these different accounts, they are taught how to weave all of them together to form a holistic identity for the brand. Every year, I'll bring in a small medium enterprise who is keen on a building ecosystem and it becomes a group project and is framed as a consulting project as a what do you call at a competition as well. So I was talking about it and I think Alan was really interested because I think Alan at that time had that context in fact, he was starting something, something like a plant-based business, and he's really interested, not just in building his own brand, but, but building the awareness of the entire industry. I thought that, wow, this is really interesting. And I think, you know, we can take a step further to build something real for the students so that everyone can see what a social media ecosystem is and how it can benefit small medium enterprises. That was one of the many motivation of working with Alan.
0: Yeah. yeah. I just want to dive a bit deeper into this thought process and motivation that you have, Jimmy. You know, what made you want to do this for the students? And I heard that, you know, you've been doing this three years with your your batches Uh, of students already.
1: Sure, sure. In fact, I think you touched Uh, on a good point to let me explain why I got into being a lecturer. I was a marketing graduate and I always questioned all these marketing concepts. Are they real? How do you really apply them in the real world? And all these examples that's given, they're not Singapore local examples. How can I make it real? So eventually when I become an academic, for every single course, I try to change the way my students learn, impacting every single one, whoever I can along the way, by making the business world appear in the business class. Right? So I bring the business world into the business class and bring the business class into the business world. So this is my education mantra, My teaching philosophy. So every single year, I try to make it as real as possible in whatever way I can. Yeah.
0: So, Alan, the business world. So, Jimmy brought his business students over to cross over to the business world. What was unique? uh, You know, did they realize what Jimmy's vision for the students were? And, you know, what has been your experience with the students so far? Were there any interesting experiences that you could share with us about?
2: So, we really started off with a research project with his group of students. Uh, and what impresses me most was the, the outcome of the research papers from the different groups was not just about researching plant-based user understanding and acceptance and behaviour. Uh, the students were able to inject into that paper new business ideas. And and that was really what caught my attention with this group of students. It's not just a academic paper exercise here. It was, wow, it's an interesting space. Uh, they did a lot of research. Uh, and by the way, This is something that you guys could do for your business. And that was kind of changed my mindset from the exercise beyond student project. It became, hey, there's this group of students that has got passion, that understands business, that I potentially or the business could potentially nurture and over a period of time when they graduate, be part of the company and nurture them and work with them to, well, so to speak, build their own business. You know, we're not that young, you know, any business sooner or later you need to pass on to somebody. (laughs) And what more to do than to work with students from the start.
0: So I'm very curious, you know, you mentioned a lot of skills uh, that WEF also spoke about in the future of jobs, right? Like critical thinking skills, problem solving skills that you saw in these students. Jimmy, do you feel that it's because of the education or is it because of this program itself and this partnership? How do you think uh, we can inspire more of such mindsets, right? Change the students' attitudes to be more relevant in order to take up jobs of the future?
1: I'm going to borrow theory and concepts again from consumer psychology. And this is a concept called involvement. Right. I realized that whenever I ask an external company to come in, and then when a the student knows that whatever they recommend in their projects or in their reports has a direct impact on the development of the company and the business performances, their involvement goes up. Their level of critical thinking and their willingness to invest their efforts in it also goes up tremendously. So this is the magical part. For a lecturer I feel like extremely motivating and inspiring because this is when you see sparks flies among the students, right? But of course I'm not saying that you know the rise in involvement level is uniform across all groups but you can see it really you know that the fireworks in some groups and that is in fact one source of motivation for me as well. I feel comforted at this. I would like to think that I am doing a part in impacting their learning experience to make it real. And I think that helps to channel the energy, making the entire learning experience more applied and then most importantly, more fun.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, myself, I went through the education system in Singapore as well. And, you know, in university, we had the formal or the traditional work attachments or internships. You know, I'm just wondering, how is this experience um, and this collaboration different from, you know, the, the traditional internships that we send all our students to? So maybe from an educator's point of view and also from an employer's point of view.
1: Okay. In most instances for work attachments, right, the student doesn't really have a runway or a warm-up session with the company they have to perceive the company the way it is based on what they read in popular media. So naturally what happens then is that you have a cohort of students wanting to go for MNCs because they are big, popular, and they have good branding, right? However, I I tend to root for the smaller guys, which is the SMEs, and not forgetting about 70 to 80% of the working population in Singapore are in fact working with SMEs, right? So this platform, I feel, allows a lot of these students to have about three to four, or at least six weeks To work with the company to know the industry and know the style of the owners which is very important because for SMEs very often their branding is tied to the way the owner brand themselves as individuals and then with that project coming in okay the extension of the project you may they may work for another three months after the project the students will then actually ask themselves is this the company I want to spend the following six months as work attachment students and after that, they can also then further ask themselves, is this going to be a company I want to work for when, upon graduation? So compared to traditional work attachment programs, this I think is more holistic. That's my take on that.
0: I think I think you're changing the entire process as well. It's almost like there's this dating phase, <laughs>
1: understanding,
0: <laughs> right. understanding yeah. the company, for the companies also to understand the students, to see if it's the right fit. Um, Ellen, I see you nodding in agreement. Yeah, so <laughs> your thoughts, please.
2: Yeah, I half agree with Jimmy in the sense that he engaged small, or medium-sized companies. I think I'm, I'm even smaller than small. <laughs> I think we're just a startup company. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, I've played two roles. You know, I used to work for bigger companies where we recruit interns. Interns that join bigger companies, they are kind of working into a process. I mean, the company is very established. So they're part of the, a process, a workflow, so to speak. The interns are part of the workflow. Yes, you, they may not understand how the whole company runs. With a startup environment, they don't work into a process. They actually work on the business. So the students get involved in the business if they are part of a startup environment. And I term it moving away from an internship approach into a partnership approach. So I see the students not as interns but more as a business partner and vice versa I think the students don't see themselves as a part of a process but they see themselves as playing a big part into building the business for a startup and they do see if the startup builds and grows they do see the impact that they make.
0: So that's a lot of ownership as well from mm. the student's point of view into the work that they do, into the projects and, and the proposals as well. Correct, correct. You have been working with SUSS with Jimmy's batches of students for the last three years, I heard. So what were certain key attributes that you will look for when it comes to hiring permanent roles?
2: Uh, I think if you see, or uh, how I see education uh, kind of evolve, it used to be you know, traditional education where you really you know, read the textbooks and replicate what you've learnt. Uh, I think the second phase is, uh, like what Jimmy said, applying what you've learned into the real world. But I see that the third phase is really picking up students that are a lot more proactive, uh, They are independent thinkers, They are willing to speak up. The world is changing. You know, whether you like it or not, Singapore is very small. You've got you know big economies like China coming out. They have their own way of working. They're very proactive, very dynamic. So for our generation, our students, in fact, for Singapore to grow to the next phase, I think our students also need to emulate some of the way the competition work, which is to be very proactive, to be independently minded, willing to speak up, ex- be experimental and try. And I think that's really what I look for in a student. And the students who are willing to move away from their comfort zone of picking big companies for internship, decides to go for a startup, already has that kind of DNA in them. Mm-hmm. and And that's where if you've got this group of students that are passionate and when startup moves to the next phase and they're part of their founding team, I think that would spur other students to say, hey, you know what? I want to pick an internship
1: with a startup company. So the whole ecosystem works well. I I would like to add to Mm -hmm. that, right? So I started teaching Singapore students all the way back in 2004 when I was still doing a master's. And I I sense that, I would say, one of the key weaknesses among our students is the fear of failure. And because of that, they want to go to an MNC because it is structured. I was one of them, right? So because of that, over the years, as they eventually graduate and start working, they are fearful of taking that step out. To, to experiment with marketing ideas so when I work with Alan it's not just in social media ecosystem because I've also worked with Ellen in another subject which is marketing research class the students are the ones who say why don't we try this idea we experiment on that and when the the winning group actually gets to, to the phase where they actually execute those ideas and experiment it in the real-life context I think it's very moving so that they can learn whether what works, what doesn't. And most important thing is how do you calibrate for success? I think that is a very important thing for our current students to see as well to experience because without failure, then you really cannot succeed. And if you don't even try, there'll be no way to know that the idea that you come up with, is it going to work or not?
0: Yeah, Yeah,
2: I agree with that. Without failure, there's no success term. I think what StartUp has to offer is, is, you know, the, the students done the research, theoretically it works, but when it comes to the real world and you start executing it in a start environment, it's a platform where they could realize, hey, yeah, sounds good, but well, these are the challenges or these are the people issue, or how to overcome challenge and so on.
1: So I think that's, that's where I think startup actually adds value to the students. And th- you can't teach that in the classroom environment, unfortunately. And that is where I guess a lot of students say that business causes, you know, lacks the reality, lacks the realism. So- lacks the failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So at least, you know, one way of looking at it is that we create a comfortable environment for them to fail hmm. so that they know, oh, okay, that's failure. But don't see it as failure, but see it as a, a, an opportunity for you to calibrate so that you can turn it around and be successful.
0: Yeah, I think Jimmy, you definitely pointed out the problem that a lot of uh, students or educators have been asking, right? It's like you're doing business, you're learning business in a closed-door classroom environment, but you know you're not bringing the business students to the business world, which is something that you know this collaboration has happened. We see the business world coming in, you know, with problems and sharing it with the students, right? And these are the students that eventually would you know join the business world and have to tackle all these issues. This also leads me to uh, another question. It is also quite interesting how an educational institute was willing to experiment on such a collaboration. You know, so on this train of thoughts, how do you think schools or our education can play a better role for our students, um, having them to cross over to the working force? I
1: th- I think it takes two hands to clap, multiple hands to clap to, you know, to come to think about it. First, multiple. <laughs> yeah, multiple hands to clap. First, I think, lecturers may not like me for making this comment, is that lecturers, it is not easy try to collaborate with you know, an external party because there are a lot of additional work. A lot of people think that lecturers, okay, what do you do? All right, during school holidays, you've got nothing to do. That's not true, okay? Although we teach about you a know, couple of hours in a week, a lot of my time is just spent engaging Okay, or, or, or you want to choose the word, wooing right, SME owners to come forth to us and believe as USS that we have faculties who are applied, who have got consulting experiences that is willing to help you on a pro bono basis. That is a part, huge part of what I do as well. So it's almost like see, I, I, someone will say, oh, so you're doing a sales job. Indirectly, yes. So that is, you know, a lot of lecturers need to step out of their you know, offices. Right in that sense, in order to up.
0: change this um, circumstances. Correct.
1: So otherwise, your class will still be you know a very traditional class. Second, schools needs to give the autonomy, okay, for lecturers to engage SMEs to design their courses in a way that works best for the lecturer as well as for the students. Because there are institutions out there where a lot of red tapes, a lot of bureaucratic stuff, saying that you know these are the things you can do, those stuff you can't do, things like that. Right. So, if you give lecturers a free hand to design the course the the way they want to, the most in the most applied sense, I think it's going to be a win-win situation. Third group, students must not fear. The minute you see that the lecturer is willing to put in their heart and soul in making a class as applied and as and rich as possible, you need to come forward, raise your involvement level, and make it as real as it gets. Okay, I think learning can be fun. University education should be applied and experimental.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely agree uh, in that sense. I think. The, the other aspect is the, the symbiotic relationship between a startup and institution like no, SUSS. What SUSS is looking for is obviously provide students with real world experiences, either a company or a startup, which I think is, is more dynamic and, and more on the ground. And of course, from a startup perspective, beyond you know having access to, to, to resource, we're having access to new ideas with the students, but also having access to you know uh, tech you know, expert, expertise like like Jimmy. Startup do not have big budgets; we can't afford to, to employ consultants, right? So in this relationship, the startup will add value to Jimmy's course or SUS's course in terms of imparting onto them the real world experience, nurturing the students, giving or showing them what real-life problems are and how to overcome it. On the other side, the students would obviously uh, offer the startup companies their talent, their thought process, and consultancy from the lecturers. And And that's where I think a lot of value comes in, in, into play as well.
0: Yeah, it's about adopting different mindsets, right, different points of view and seeing the bigger picture, I, th- I think it's really incredible how, you know, this collaboration that started from a brown bear discussion evolved <laughs> into something, you know, so great, right? It involves lifelong learning. It involves changing the mindsets of our students, it involves entrepreneurial thinking um, and letting the students take action and follow their heart, right, to work on purposeful projects. So it's really, you know, very interesting how this started off with just having discussions and having the right people come together and wanting to push in this trajectory and I really think this progressive collaboration and partnership can be a new model that you know more educational institutes can look towards um, you know more SMEs to look towards in creating this kind of collaborations with more lecturers as well. Thank you so much for both your time it's been so insightful and I look forward to hearing more stories from the ground from your SME Alan and more stories from Jimmy your new batches of students as well. So thank you. Thank,
1: thank you, you for you. having it's us. Pleasure. Thank you. This episode of Silver Linings is brought to you by SUSS Podcast. To learn more about today's episode, you may find complimentary content at suss.edu.sg blog. For more podcast episodes, visit suss.edu.sg podcast.